Welcome to My Ed Expert, specializing in what's possible in education. By merging research, practice, and passion, we provide insights from top educational thought leaders for right now implementation. Now, here's your host, author Susie Pepper Rollins. I am so glad that you joined me today because we're going to be talking about being a big thinker, like a really big thinker. And sometimes that's hard in a world that's kind of incremental and small. I was so fortunate a while back to happen upon a podcast with a guy named Astro Teller. It wasn't really a podcast kind of thing. It was really more the recorded comments that he made in a speech to innovators in technology. And here was his big theme. And boy, did this resound with me. He said, you got to think 10 times bigger. Think 10 times bigger. If you think 10 times bigger, people will follow you. People will want to be a part of what you're doing. Now, here's the, here's the example that he gave. And he went back to 1962 and he talked about John Kennedy's speech at Rice University in Houston, Texas on the football field. And he was talking to largely STEM people, engineers, and he said, we choose to go to the moon. Now, today, we can think, oh, going to the moon, that's old stuff. That's not that complicated, right? But think about 1962. So I did a little research. 1962, there was a World's Fair. Here was the big, hot, emerging technology, things that were in the planning stages. Something called a space-age cordless phone. Another one was the prototype for the pager, which was huge. Okay, this big, big old thing that you could, no way you could hook that on your belt. In 1962, women didn't have blow dryers yet. We weren't buckling kids up in seat belts. So think about what these engineers were facing with the president saying to them, we choose to go to the moon and it's your job to get us there, right? So it was really amazing what John Kennedy did in terms of the big idea, the big thought. And it got me thinking, all right, who are some other big thinkers? All right. So first I kind of stayed with the presidents and I thought, all right, In my lifetime, Ronald Reagan's speech about the Berlin Wall, which you may not know, is Ronald Reagan was told, do not say that. Do not say about taking this wall down. It's too controversial. They even told him, look, the Germans have become accustomed to being broken in in pieces. How crazy is that? Ronald Reagan said, the boys at the State Department are going to kill me, but it's the right thing to do. He stood there and said these famous words now. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That speech changed the world. That was this big idea. And against resistance and other people telling him not to do it, he went forward with that big idea. So then I started thinking about this concept of, okay, think 10 times bigger. Jeff Bezos came to mind. Okay. Amazon founder. Now he never intended to only sell books, but it did start with selling books out of his garage. What if he had been really an incremental thinker? He'd be making goal statements like this. I'm going to sell 5% more books out of my garage this year. He is absolutely a 10 times bigger thinker. And then I went back way back in history and I thought, okay, Oh my gosh, those founding fathers, how crazy were they to pick a fight with Great Britain? Come on. They were huge thinkers. Had they been small thinkers, incremental thinkers, they would have said something like this. Let's just get 2% more freedom 
or a little piece of Maryland free? Or how about that colony of Georgia? It's brand new. Let's try to make it free. But no, they went big. They swung for the fences. Thank you, founding fathers. Then I started thinking about other people. All right, you got to go with Thomas Edison, right? Come on. Over a thousand patents. What you may not know about Thomas Edison is he had to be homeschooled. The teacher could not deal with him. He had that ADHD brain asking why all day long, exhibited impulsivity. He didn't even talk till he was four years old. His mother changed his life, actually, because she saw something in her son that was definitely different. The teacher actually would talk about the size of his forehead, that something was wrong with Thomas Edison, right? The guy was a genius. What we love about Thomas Edison also was his belief about failure. That famous quote about, well, I found 10,000 things that don't work, right? He embraced failure as part of this process. I thought about other people. Now, this one you've probably never heard of, Marion Donovan. Marion Donovan in 1946 decided that she was sick and tired of those cloth diapers. Thank you so much, Marion. She's the inventor of the disposable diaper. And one day she just said, you know, I'm done with these cloth diapers, right? And came up with the solution. Then I went back in time and thought about one of my favorite people to study, and it's Sequoia. If you don't know much about Sequoia, Wow, something you really ought to research. Matter of fact, he's he did something so crazy good that there are a lot of myths about him and stories about him because he was so amazing. What Sequoia did is the Cherokee Nation, the Cherokee people had a spoken language, not a written language. And what Sequoia did is invented something called a syllabary where he took that spoken language, broke it into syllables, and created a written language from it. What he did is made an entire nation of people literate. His literacy rate, the literacy rate from the Cherokee in the Cherokee, thanks to Sequoia, would be the the envy in today's world. They were able to have their own newspaper, read the Bible, read books because of Sequoia. Then I thought about okay, some other contemporary people like Branson, founder of Virgin Airlines, dyslexic. His headmaster told him, You're either going to be very successful or wind up in jail. I don't know which. Thomas Branson got stranded at an airport with a whole bunch of other people. He looked around and as everybody else just thought, well, gee whiz, let's wring our hands. We're stranded. He said, you know what? I'm going to charter a plane. I'll sell everybody here a ticket. We'll get on the plane and get home. Thus an airline was born. That is a really big thinker. Oprah Winfrey's another one met with so much failure, but then so much success. And she started out as a dialing for dollars girl on some local station. I say girl in quotation marks. Then I thought about these guys who started being Airbnb. Hotels were booked. A conference was coming to town. They posted a one ad, an ad out there and said, Hey, you can stay with us, sleep on an air mattress. We'll feed you a bagel in the morning. Thus Airbnb. They closed the door the next day, looked at each other and said, did we just make money off of an air mattress and a bagel? And an Airbnb was born. So we can think about all these really big thinkers and this 10 times bigger thinking, like let's go big. I'm, I'm reading a book that I highly recommend. It's 80 something pages long. And I'm, this is one of these ones I'm going to read over and over and over. And it's called Poke the Box. And it's by Seth Godin, G-O-D-I-N. It's 83 pages long. And it's about being a thinker and initiating your thoughts. Because just a big idea is not going to be enough. I've got to initiate these things, right? Here's a great quote from that book. Stop waiting for the map. 
We reward those who draw maps, not those who follow them. And here's another idea I just picked up from him, and that is don't sit around waiting to be picked. How many times have we done that? Waiting for the superintendent to pick us to do something or a principal to pick us to do something or a publisher to award us with a book or or something like that. He says, look, pick yourself. Don't sit around and wait to be picked. One of the big things with being a big thinker is what? We're going to have to deal with some failure. Organizations have a tendency to maintain the status quo. There's this very strong gravitational pull downward. I cannot tell you what this feels like. Oh my gosh, but it sounds like this sometimes. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I'm just trying to stay off the radar. We tried that and it didn't work. We see new people coming into our organization. They have some ideas and the culture of that building wants to kind of shut them down, slow them down. Surely let's go through that rule book. There's got to be something in there that'll stop them from implementing this, this change, right? An organization can wear you down. Do not let that happen. Build a network of people, even if it's a small network, even if it's online of other thinkers so that that does not take a toll on you. At our deepest core, we are world changers. If we went into education, we went in it because we thought we could change the world. Guess what? We can change the world. We are the ones who can change the world because we're changing the lives of kids every single day. And that changes their families. So let me start with my big idea that I'm going to work on this year. And then I'm going to bring in some other ideas from people I know and and kind of get you thinking on this. One of the things I'm going to continue working on this year is this idea that Henry Ford is not hiring anymore. Okay. He does not have any jobs this year. We are looking for a different kind of workforce today. Back in the day with Henry Ford, he was looking for someone who could come in, not ask any questions, do a repetitive task, a very specialized task. You're going to do that task all day long. And he paid very well to do it. And people lined up for those jobs. Those jobs are not around anymore. What are we looking for today? Okay. Employers are looking for leadership, the ability to work in a team, being a good problem solver, being good at communication. Um, 73% are even coming right out of high school of employers are looking for problem solvers. And you're going to see this recurring thing, being able to work in a team and lead a team. So to get students there to be problem solvers who work well in a team, One can argue that in school, they need to be doing what? Problem solving, working in a team, right? That involves this continued work that we're all doing, but it's a real focus of mine of reversing this long trend we've had of who's doing the talking in the classroom, all right? If you look at the research still today, 70 to 80% of time is spent by kids trying to listen to someone talk. How do we not learn one can argue sitting and listening to someone talk. We got to let them get on the, hold the steering wheel. We got to let them drive. We got to let them practice. We got to let them build and create. ELA teachers, cover your ears because 83% of talk, that's the highest percent according to researchers in ELA. But these studies go all the way back to 1912. Isn't that staggering? Where we were doing way too much of the talk way back then. Now, there's a particular group of kids that I'm going to work on this year, and that's boys. For years, and justifiably, and it's been a good thing, we've really focused on our girls, and we needed to. But I'm going to tell you, 90% of office referrals are boys. 93% of those incarcerated are boys. We have got to help our boys. 
So we've got to find ways to help them learn so that they can have wonderful lives out there. So I'm going to continue working on the active classroom where a big chunk of it is designated for students. Uh, For the next week or so, I'm going to leave on my expert, my instructional pie charts. This is what I use everywhere I go. I map out pie charts and their bright green color is for kids. Go kids, go. We have got to reserve a certain part of class for them. Now we're not talking about doing worksheets or packets during that green time. We're talking about, I'm going to teach what I need to teach just to get intellectual curiosity going. Then I'm going to give them something really wonderful and rich to do. For example, one of my favorites on my ed expert is Todd Stanley. He's actually one of our teacher's favorites too. He's a gifted ed consultant and, and supervisor out of Ohio. Todd just posted the egg drop, egg drop challenge. Okay. Where students craft a vessel that they're going to drop out of a window or wherever. Uh, and, and they're going to see who can build the vessel that absorbs that impact the most. Every kid in that building is going to want to drop an egg out of a window, right? They may be doing it already, but this is actually a lesson. Um, he has games on there for supply and demand and other kind of hands-on learning. Those are the kind of go-to resources I'm looking for. So if you're on board with me on that, you might want to go to my expert and just type in Todd Stanley and find that egg drop challenge and some other great ideas he has. Here's another big idea I know some other people are working on, and that is integrating student voice every day. We know it's their classroom, it's their learning, it's their school. So we've got to be every day getting information from our kids about how this is working for you down here. How is school working for you? How are our policies working for you? The two people on our website who can help you with that are Rick Jetter and Rebecca Coda. Rick's last name is spelled J-E-T-T-E-R. Rebecca's last name is spelled C-O-D-A. They have Their consulting company is called Pushing Boundaries. Do you not love that name? So if you go there, they have done this for you. These are all free resources. I cannot tell you how generous these people are in sharing their work. They have all these resources to get you started on gathering student voice, and it's such important work. So if that's one of your big ideas this year is, is, is gathering student voice, I would definitely seek them out. I was in a building just in the last couple of weeks where a big focus for them, their big idea this year is really working on questioning. Not just the questions teachers are asking, but they're, they're honing in on the questions students are asking. If that is a, a, a point for you guys this year that you're really working on, let me tell you somebody who just joined our website who can really help you with that. That's Eric Francis. It's E-R-I-K Francis. It's Maverick Education. He just posted a Bloom's Questioning Pyramid and a depth of rigor graphic organizer that will help everyone in that work. So if your focus point, your big idea is going to be really working on questioning, he's somebody I would seek out. If you go in on our site, just type in Eric, E-R-I-K Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S, you will find Eric. Another one of my favorites, oh my gosh, I love her, is Laurel Schmidt. She's also on her website, S-C-H-M-I-D-T. She has an open download for you, a whole chapter of her book, and it's Don't Take No or Yes for an Answer, The Art of Inquiry. Guys, I'm going to put links for all these people on our notes for the podcast, so don't feel like you got to write this down. I'm just kind of brainstorming with you over the podcast. Laurel has some wonderful things on there, um, and, and I love her, her book on there on Don't Take No for an Answer. It's wonderful. 
So our mission at Myatt Expert, really, this, this big idea I had was to put in one spot great people with great minds that can share some work with us so that we can really move our kids, inspire our teachers. Big thinking can be tough in a world of resistance. So we've got to first think about ourselves. You know, all of us are built with a brain that's telling us, don't do it. Don't risk failure. Don't jump in. Play it safe. We need that voice. We need that voice to keep us from doing some pretty crazy things. But you know what? We don't want our, that voice to, to drown out the other part of our brain telling us, be creative, help kids, try some new things, think 10 times bigger. We want to balance that voice because we, can, we also have that creative mind, that go-getting mind, that world-changing mind. We are put here to make a difference in the world. Failure is part of it. I mean, I mentioned Richard Branson. He, tells, he says, you know, don't be embarrassed by failure. Failure is part of it. Sometimes we can actually feel some shame over some failure. Failure is part of success. We want to welcome new ideas. We want to be a part of success. There are people who are going to tell us, hey, you failed. I told you not to do that. So find a network of people who can insulate you from some of those voices. We wake, let's wake up in the morning and think about how we can do, what, can we, what really big things we can do. So what are your next steps in thinking 10 times bigger? How do you get started? One thing I do is on chart paper, I have a big concept map on my wall with some big ideas I'm tackling. And then on a separate one, I have my to-do list because we don't want to get confused between our big ideas and our to-dos because I can check off to-dos all day long and I do, but that's not, those are not my big ideas that I'm working on, right? We don't want to just check those off. So let's go out there tomorrow, guys, and be a Thomas Edison, be a Marion Donovan, be a Richard Branson. Thanks so much for joining me today. I wish you all the best this year, especially in being a big thinker and think 10 times bigger. Thanks so much, guys. We are so glad you joined us on this episode of My Ed Expert. For more resources on the ever-evolving realm of education, head on over to myedexpert.com and get inspired by all of our author's work through downloads, strategies, and best practices. While you're there, hop on to get updates right to your inbox because you don't want to miss a thing right here on My Ed Expert.